welcome to the Retro Blood. You are all my children now. You want to know what happens to an eyeball when it gets splintered? You got any idea how much blood jets out of a guy's neck? You've come back to us, Michael. Stop the rage. What's going on, everybody? And welcome to the Retro Bloods Anniversary Month. We are celebrating our anniversary the only way that Retro Blood knows how to do, and that's do a full series review, the movies are only made in the 80s, of one of the most iconic horror series of all time. That's right, Halloween. If you like explosions, if you like crazy doctors trying to shoot everybody, if you like uh, 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 sibling tales of, of murder, this is the Halloween sequel for you, brother. Jay Allison, James Klein, what's happening, everybody? What's happening, Allison? How do you feel about the one-year anniversary month of Retro Blood? How do you feel about the Halloween? Man, I'm super excited about this. I'm, I'm glad we made it this far because, you know, most podcasts don't make it a year, but uh, we have, this is our last episode of the first year right and next next week would be our beginning of our second year i think yeah so that's pretty amazing it's a pretty big deal um it's really i, th- I think i mean it for us to stick with it and really do it every week and go through our uh growing pains that we had at the very beginning of those shows if that anybody that listened to them knew that uh, but yeah it's pretty cool and i've been wanting to do the halloween series for a long time and um it's cool that we're finally getting to it Yes, exactly. So, you know, last year, you know, when we started off the Retro Blood, we did the entire uh, Nightmare on Elm Street series. You know, of course, we only did the movies that are in the 80s. You know what I mean? Because yeah. we're stuck in that time machine, brother. We are, we are all about the 80s over here. So, you know, like, like you were saying before, we didn't have the best audio. We were, we were kind of like figuring each other out and stuff. But, you know, after a year, I think we did, uh, we're doing pretty good. You know, we, we feed off each other well. We got obviously better mic equipment. We got a little more laughs and stuff for this whole year, but you know, Retro Blood's gonna keep continuing. We're gonna keep on expanding and keep on getting better, brother. So, a couple of things, yep. um, some some housekeeping stuff before we get into the full review of Halloween Two, which I have a lot to talk about with this movie, a ton. Uh, yesterday, me and the Allison dropped a rare lights out, brother. So we're kind of doing like a little double feature for everybody here on Halloween. And we have a we have a ton of shows happening in October. But yesterday we dropped the uh, the lights out. Where uh, it's our different. It's kind of like our sister podcast here to the Retro Blood, where we we get out of the '80s and we and we do a, have a different format. The format is we just do whatever we want on that format. So uh, everybody check that out. Lights out. This that will kind of like lead you in to our whole uh, series-long review of Halloween. Because, um, you know, obviously the original Halloween was made in the uh, the 70s, uh, late 70s. 
but that was a very fun discussion. Uh, everybody check it out. Uh, we're kind of like doing a little double feature, so I recommend listening to that show and then maybe listening to this one uh, so you can get the double reviews. But a uh, very fun show that we did yesterday. Um, but we also, you know, like all the shows, they all drop on our group page. So everybody join the Retro Blade group page. Uh, we're going to have some extras on our YouTube channel this season um, for Halloween as well. And, of course, the business page where you can see what's happening next week on the Retro Blood, plus all the links to all of our shows as well. Oh, yeah. But um, a couple of things. So, obviously, on the Retro Blood, we are doing Halloween 2, which Halloween 2 is pretty much like an exact like sequel to Halloween 1. Like, it, it's pretty much, it just expands the storyline. Pretty much. It's like one of those type of sequels. So it's going to be very fun to talk about. Um, I think this movie gets like a very good, a very like love and hate relationship. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, I would. I mean, I kind of love it and hate it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know. It's hard. I don't know. It's hard for me. It's hard for me to, to decide. Like sometimes I love this movie and sometimes I hate it. And we'll talk about some of those things as we go. But it's like, I love it. I like it more if I don't watch the two movies back to back. I'm. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, man. I really like this movie. Like, there's a couple of things I was like, okay, we didn't really need that. <laughs> and, you know what I mean? Like, there's a couple of storyline plots we didn't really need. But I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff to like about this movie, which we'll get into. I mean, okay, yeah, that's true. I mean, there's a lot of things in it that are. I don't know. Maybe they're on purpose, but I think a lot of things in it just require an education that John Carpenter didn't have when he wrote this um, that are kind of annoying, but they're just annoying to me. Like they wouldn't be annoying to an average person. I don't think, but I'll mention them as we go. But um, I like it, but I mean, you can definitely tell that it was made at a different time. Yeah. than the first movie, you can tell it's a 1980s movie. I mean, it, it feels like a 1980s movie. Whereas I think, I think Halloween feels like a seventies movie still. Yeah, I can see that. Definitely, definitely. But, you know, like every Retro Bled, we talk about the history of the release date of Halloween 2. So, Halloween 2 was released on October 30th, 1981. So, a very rare 1981 uh, movie review for the Retro Blood. Usually, when we do, like, 80s movies, most of the time, we do, like, 83. I don't know why. It just, like, so happens it to be 83. It is weird, right? Yeah. <laughs> it just so happens just to be 83 all the time, but... <laughs> It's kind of fun talking about 1981. We don't really like uh, touch on this year too much. Um, but uh, like I said, our history segment, we talk about what's happening in the metal and pro wrestling scene around October 30th, yeah. 1981. So let's start off with you, Allison. I know you got some, uh, you got some good metal for us. What are, you, what are we listening to around Halloween time, 1981? I have my fucking leather leather men's jacket on i got my long hair yeah, and i do. got my stash brother yep like i'm i'm fucking hey guys i got fucking magnum ti in this bitch okay that's what i'm looking like who what am i rocking to brother <laughs> with my budweiser beer i was about to say <laughs> so let's say you're you're uh you got your long hair and then you got it like cut real short yeah. right across your eyebrows like you know the front <laughs> like the like magnum ta yes exactly um, uh so my wash i <laughs> <laughs> with the with, with the boots with, I look the, with the jeans, like I do the, now. <laughs> the je- yes, the jeans with the boots cut into them. Yeah, brother, with the fanny pack oh, on. That's, oh yeah. my god, I'm getting. Man, you you should you should wear that now. You I know should, you should rock that now. I do need to do that. Like I've been begging <laughs> to get a mullet for forever, but 
There's certain there's a certain person in my household who refuses for me to get it. <laughs> yeah, I wonder who that could be. But and maybe you should listen to 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 her. Maybe you should listen to this person. Uh, maybe more. So good, good, good job. Good on her for keeping you away from that. Yeah, uh, but anyway, what are we listening to? So, um, so I thought this was weird. I'll bring this up. So we think of, of uh, so now albums come out on Fridays, but for my whole life of buying music, they always, they came out on a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. So apparently <laughs> this record came out on a Thursday, which is really weird. So this is the day before this movie came out on Friday, October 30th. So the day before this rush re- released a live album, uh, called Exit Stage Left, which was, I guess, documenting their tour from uh, their Moving Pictures tour, I believe. Yes, Moving mm-hmm. Pictures. So we had talked about Moving Pictures in one of the other rare times we went to 1981. Um, I can't remember which episode, but we did talk about this at one point. Uh, but this is documenting the tour of that, and it's a really, really good live album. Um, everybody that listens to the show knows how much I love Iron Maiden. I've probably talked about them to death at this point and we'll talk about them much more as we go but rush is also a top five band for me they're one of the greatest bands of all time in my opinion um i i love rush they're they're absolutely fantastic they're perfect um but they released this live album which has some of the best live versions of 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 the early songs yeah so rush had like a a, 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 well, as, as all bands are around for 40 years, they had like an evolution, you know, so they started out as a heavier band and then they kind of, mm, in the eighties, they kind of got more synthesizer based, which their music was still good. It was just different. Um, uh, but this is like a capstone for like the heavy rush. Um, so the harder seventies, hard rock type rush with the, you know, the prog prog metal stuff that they kind of, didn't really i guess didn't really invent but they're definitely one of the first bands to do that and they kind of after this kind of evolved into more of a synth based band and they wouldn't get heavier again until like the late 90s so this is like a really good encapsule of like what early rush sounded like um you know it's got all the hits from the time it's got tom sawyer it's got uh jacob's ladder um, but it also has early songs like Passage to Bangkok and The Trees and things like that. But I don't know. Have you ever heard any of these songs or have you ever listened to this album at all? Yeah. So, you know, I tried when I have time, of course. Got to make time for the retro blood. I got to, yep. uh, I try to do as much as I can research on some of the bands. And I was listening mm-hmm. to this album. Um, so I knew about Rush later on in their, um, in their career. Uh, yeah. The biggest thing I knew about Rush was they had a very famous drummer. Well, yes. So they're the best drummer, drummer of all time. Yes, and he can. He, I, he, I, I had a friend who was in a, a metal band. They were just getting started, and he was a big. He was a drummer, and he was a big fan of you know Rush and everything because of the how, how great it was. And he had the, um, it's like this like training drum video that I guess the mm-hmm. uh, the the Rush drummer did. And that was my first yeah. uh, interaction to Rush was the drummer guy and seeing his his like training video or something. And so I listened to him. I was like, okay, this is not super my style but i can get into it i you can definitely tell it's a very good like melody music you know what i mean like it's very good uh very good stuff to listen to so i was listening to this album and i was getting you know i was kind of going around stuff you know the spear of the radio was the first song i thought that was a really good opener um and of course i do like that song tom sawyer so that's mm-hmm. definitely one too. But I didn't get super into the album, but um I think it's kind of interesting. So like when they release like live albums, like 
you know, this is like, we're talking about like the 80s and stuff over here. Like, you know, it's just, did they just like record the album on like a, a, a cassette and then mastered it and maybe like do some editing and then released it out on the tape again or? Not, not usually. Um, so actually, I, I've researched this a lot. So I, I didn't, I didn't, this is like off the cuff because I didn't know you were going to bring this up. Yeah. But um, I actually have know a lot about this actually mm. because I've researched this over time. So most live albums then and probably now um, were not actually live. Um, they they would record a show on reel to reel tape, like not cassette tape, but like reel to reel tape, like analog reel to reel. Yeah, and then um, then they would take those back and re-record. So they you know so when you record an album, I don't know how much people know or you know about how albums are made, but like when you record a record you don't just play all at the same time and record it onto a tape and that's it. Like everything is on a different track. So you can take off, so you can record a whole song and then take off the guitar part and then re-record it again. Cause everything's separate on a separate track. So these live albums would be recorded on a separate, on separate tracks. So they would go in and if, if, if they made a like a mistake somewhere, they would go in and re-record that part again, uh, usually. So and then every band did this. Not, I mean, I don't know about Russians in particular, but I mean, this album sounds so good that I'm I'm pretty sure that they probably re-recorded parts of it. Um, and some bands, like the famous one, is Kiss Alive, where they basically re-recorded the entire album in the studio because their their show was so vibrant that they would have to they would go in and like re-record everything because they would keep making the stakes because they were jumping around and stuff like that. So probably not. I mean, I would say that at least parts of this album were re-recorded in the studio as most live albums were but it, but it was it was based on that live show so you don't get it it's not a <clears throat> so it's not like a studio recording it's it still has the feel of a live album because they're playing with the live track but like probably like the lead guitar parts and things like that were re-recorded i would say but the drums and the bass probably weren't very if i had to get very fascinating but yeah, I mean, it's definitely a fun album to listen to. Um, I've always been a big fan of like live, uh, you know, tracks and CDs and stuff. Yes. Because I always, you know, I, I, I think we talked about this before. You know, I, in my opinion, if a band sounds good live, I mean, I mean, that's what it's all about. You know what I mean? Like. Oh, it, yeah. Well, that's I mean, the only way to know for sure. Right. Yeah, I mean, exactly. if you can play, if you can play live in front of people. That's that's what the test of a band is. And so many bands can't do that anymore. Like there's so many bands that just like there's they're they hide behind their production so much that if they were just stuck in like you know a club with 500 people they they wouldn't they wouldn't have the same impact as they do if they're in like an arena behind their show like you know I don't know I can't think of any I guess like a, a band like Imagine Dragons or somebody like that you know that hide behind their show but you could take a band like Iron Maiden <laughs> as yeah. an example and you could you could put them in front of 50 people. And they, you'd get the same effect as you would in front of an arena. Yeah. Or Metallica is a good example. They're just as good in front of fifty people as they are, you know, fifty thousand people. Exactly. Now, uh, I got a very important question to ask you, Allison. Mm -hmm. What track do you think Loomis is listening to off this um, live Rush album? Oh wow! So um, since Loomis um, is crazy yes. and getting crazier as we go. He is probably listening to La Villa Strangiato. Yeah, that sounds like a good Loomis track right there. <laughs> <laughs>
So yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, definitely a fun album. Um, so we'll be playing some of that towards the end of the show as well to show everybody about yeah. how the uh, the amazing Rush sounds. And obviously one of the best bands to be happening, uh, especially in the early part of the '80s. So mm-hmm. definitely, definitely fun. Um, did you say you had no- something else in metal as well? Uh, there was one small thing. This is also, I mean, it, it's it's in the in the punk rock world. Um, so it turns out apparently the Misfits released the Halloween single the next day oh. on Halloween. Oh, there you go. So the famous uh, Halloween by the Misfits, which is also a fantastic song, that was released on the next day. Ooh. So I might have to pop that one up on the Facebook group page, everybody. Mm-hmm. So the famous Misfits Halloween song will be the, the Retro Blood Extra. So check it out. And obviously, you know, you know what's crazy too, um, you know, happening the, this year, uh, 2020, 2022, you know, that far mm-hmm. distant land that we don't know anything about. Yeah, um, the future. Yeah, the future. I heard a rumor um, when I jumped into my DeLorean that the Misfits are actually playing in, in Texas, uh, the original, um, the original crew on uh, really? october 31st yeah so wow i heard a rumor too but i heard it was vegas but they could be doing both shows yeah they could be doing maybe both back to back i mean back to back maybe 30 to 31st i don't know yeah but very interesting though but uh <clears throat> yeah that should be fun. what part of texas is that by the way um i think it's in dallas actually because mm. i think i have some friends going there but i you know i'm i only saw like very briefly so but uh yeah i need to make i need to make one of those misfit shows before they hang before they stop doing this that would be yeah. that's like a bucket list thing for me yeah I a band the, i never thought i would see <clears throat> i saw the misfits before but it was just um when they were like partial crew yeah you didn't see the real misfits you need to see a glenn danzig misfits that's yeah. something i never thought in my whole life that i would see i mean i've been a fan of the misfits since the 80s and i never thought that i would ever see something like that yeah. so i've got to find a way to make one of these shows before they hang it up yeah i know definitely same here I mean, I've seen Dancing Live before, but I haven't seen the yeah, whole this mis- mis- group. So, but um, let's talk about a little bit about the pro wrestling. What are we going to be going to go see in pro wrestling around October of 1981? So, I got about two things. Okay. So, on the actual date that Halloween Two was released in theaters, we had a mm-hmm. show in Los Angeles, California. And it doesn't really give me like too much of was on the actual card, but I guess the main part of the card was a wrestler named Fishman. <laughs> yes. All right. B Fishman. Who the f- I gotta look who the fuck this Fishman See, is. I was I was gonna ask you the same I mean, thing. I know like, who Shark who, Boy who, is. Do you, but any, do you have any? <laughs> do you have any good Fishman stories? <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on now. I mean, this guy fucking Fishman. I mean. Sh- uh, he, has world to be a, champ. he has to be a luchador, right? He has to be a Mexican wrestler. I mean, fucking uh, the, the the Raptors were sold out when Fishman comes to town, brother. <laughs> <laughs> so Fishman beat, obviously I know this wrestler, Pero Aguayo, for the yep. WWF Light Heavyweight Championship. Which, you know, I always forget, and most people probably do too, that actually WWF had a Light Heavyweight title uh, before they actually had their Light Heavyweight title. <laughs> So they actually had like a like this belt was like barely I think it maybe lasted for like two years maybe the mm-hmm. the actual light heavyweight title, um but um but yeah very you know Paraguay obviously is a very famous um Mexican uh, wrestler, 
Yeah, mm-hmm. I know him. I know his son more than I know Paraguayo, but Paraguayo is a fantastic, uh, legendary wrestler from from uh, from Mexico. Uh, Fishman is awesome Mexican. I just looked him up. He's actually fairly famous. Um, I've just never heard of him. Oh, uh, Fishman, um, yes. And um, <laughs> his three sons are all luchadors, um, and one of them is named Blackfish. Um. And the other one of the other ones is named El Hijo del Fishman, which is the son of Fishman. Nice. So they carried on the fish, the fish theme. The fish. In there. <laughs> yeah, the fish, the theme of the of fish. That is really weird. What a weird, uh, uh, what, what a weird name. Yes. Fishman. Fishman. I mean, like, apparently he was a pretty big, um, like they were saying, Lucha Libre. Like, I'm not, my, my Lucha Libre knowledge is not um, the best. Um, but, uh, it, it is very interesting, you know, to see that, um, them two compete for the WWF light heavyweight title. So. Yeah. I think they should bring back the light heavyweight title. I think that would be, um, well, they had the I cruiserweight would, title for a little bit. That's not the same thing though. A cruiserweight. So a cruiserweight is like a, a small wrestler, a light heavyweight. is somebody that's not Brock Lesnar, but he's also not 205 pounds like, um, Finn Balor or, Seth Rollins, they would be really good light heavyweight champions. And if and when they when they're going to this part time heavyweight champion, like you know when the champion's not on the show all the time, I think a light heavyweight champion would really carry the show from week to week. I think that could be. I think that could be something that WWF or excuse me WWE, as they'll be known in the future because we're in the eighties, um, yes. could do. And it would be. It would it would make the sh- the show the weekly shows more interesting, and then they could defend the title right you know right underneath the heavyweight championship on the pay per views, and I think that's something that Triple H should bring back. I think might because it, it's probably his idea originally to even do the whole cruiserweight and light heavyweight title um, tournaments yeah. and all that stuff. So um, something else that so you know that was just like a little thing that actually happened on the actual release date of yeah. Halloween two. Now the day right after. October 31st. This is a little interesting. So, Georgia Championship Wrestling, which was the uh, the predecessor to Jim Crockett's promotion, um, they had Rowdy Piper joining Gordon Soley as a color commentary. So, this is right when, I guess, Piper was joined the territory. Uh, this show also saw the return of Austin Idol, who is still, like, like kind of wrestling nowadays under with the NWA. Or at least, like, he he works with the NWA. Yeah, he, he does commentary, I think. Yeah. And he was under a mask, and he attacked Michael Hayes. Um, also returning on this show was Ivan Koloff and Gene and Ole Anderson. So yeah. we had a big return show. So October, Halloween, brother. Uh, fucking, if we're in Georgia, we're watching Georgia Championship Wrestling on the ho- Halloween 31st. But we got all kinds of returns, all kinds of sh- mad- madness going down. So. Yeah, that would have been a good show. Um, yeah, so Georgia Championship Wrestling was like the next door promotion to Jim Crockett, and they used a lot of the same talent. Oli, I think Oli Anderson either he, he I know he booked Georgia Championship Wrestling, but he might have owned it as well. Yeah, um, for a while, and then didn't Vince McMahon buy Georgia Championship Wrestling at one point, and that's when it went away. Kind of, yeah, like the the old um, uh, Black Sunday thing. And then oh, that was yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they got it back and stuff like that. So, 
But yeah, you know, Georgia champ. They they were they were uh, probably like, when it comes to the territories. I think the the biggest ones around this particular time period was probably like New York, you know, WWF, and then it was mm-hmm. uh, Georgia Championship Wrestling were probably like the biggest ones. Um, you know, Memphis was not far behind as well. This is like you know, this is pretty much almost at the height of the territories, like around yeah, like, like 1980 to like 1980. Five, you know, before Vince McMahon bought them all out, pretty much like they, this is like the heights of like just like different shows and different territories, people going back and forth. And yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, I was, yeah, so to me, so like when we do, so one thing weird that about this show that I didn't think would happen is as we do these early shows, these early movies, um, we don't have as much personal information personal experiences with wrestling because yes. we, we neither had experienced it yet. Yes. Um, so like, you know, from 85 to 90 or 85 to 89, I don't know about these nineties things that doesn't exist yet, but from these, from 85 to 89 is like what I know most about wrestling from this era. Yes. Um, so as we do these later movies, we have a lot more to say because I actually watched this stuff, but I didn't see wrestling in 81 really. So, you know, I don't have as much to say, like, I don't know as much, or I don't, I didn't experience it personally, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. So, yeah, so you, I would say that you're right. Like, this would be like, Georgia Championship Wrestling was probably the biggest Southeastern territory at the time, because Crockett was there, but they weren't huge yet. But for, but in 85 is when, you know, they got Ric Flair and Dusty Rose went there. And then they, you know, the Four Horsemen started, and then they became, in my opinion, the biggest territory in the in, in the country yeah um probably not really bigger than wwf but to me it was because we couldn't see wwf here we could only see crockett so that was that's kind of that's something that will always be kind of special to me personally because i experienced it yeah um but you know it's just it, it it yeah you're right i would say that at this time georgia championship wrestling was the biggest thing in the southeast at the time yeah definitely and they had a lot of good uh performers that would later go on to be legendary performers as well so yeah junkyard dog yeah exactly so there's like there's a couple like documentaries out there we can watch about some of these older um you know shows and stuff in the 80s so i've been trying to watch them as i can and um you know the the probably the the biggest territory you know that's in like a little older territory that i know a little bit more of the backstory is probably the uh the texas one the wccw yeah. one and um it you know just for some back stuff you know Obviously, there's some. There's actually some shows going to be airing pretty soon um, by the creators of Dark Side of the Ring called um, Tales of the Territories. So that would be a very oh. fun force uh, 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 material show to watch coming out on. Uh, I think it's on Vice. It's going to be starting up pretty soon this 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 month. So you know, it's always good to get education. Like you know, like me and Alice say, we're doing the show in the '80s, but there's yep. there's certain parts of the '80s that we're not as familiar with. <laughs> it's kind of like. Um, you know, when you're starting out on something, like, I always tell this to everybody, you know, I started watching horror movies uh, one day when I was, like, 14. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's not like I started when I was five, you know? <laughs> so, it was like, you know, True. it takes a little while to, like, remember what you can remember. Uh, speaking of that, um, when I was young, I did this... So, when I watched Halloween, you know, the, the Halloween series, I watched them all, like, in the wrong order. <laughs> like when i was which younger. one did you watch first so the first one i've ever seen was halloween six okay that was you know wow. the whole the end of the thorn trilogy Loomis's yeah. bat chick he's fucking he's my he might as well not even fucking care at that point 
But, you know, I'm just watching as a kid. Like, oh, this stuff is cool. And then I actually remember seeing this movie a lot, Halloween 2. So I watched yeah. Halloween 6 and Halloween 2. And then eventually later on, I probably watched the first one. And then I was like, oh, shit, this shit actually goes in order. <laughs> yeah, well, so, it tells yeah. a story if I watch it all in order. But I but, do have yeah, a... Oh, sorry. I do have a uh, a warm spot yeah. to Halloween too because there's a lot of scenes that I remember that I I remember watching as a child, which we'll get into here soon. Okay. But um, how about before we get into the review, like I always like to do, let's talk about some of the history of the Halloween too. Yeah. Um, Why did this get made? Yes. So th this one actually has a very um, interesting backstory to it. So. So. So, you know, John Carpenter is, you know, he made Assault on Precinct 13, as we talked about some of this on the Lights Out show. Everybody check that one yeah. out. And then he made Halloween. But then after that, he made that movie called The Fog. All right? And it's very interesting, because um, I actually just watched The Fog a couple of days ago. My uh, my brother mm -hmm. showed, it, showed it to me. Um, It's very interesting to see that movie and then watch Halloween too, because in The Fog, he actually brought... Um, some of the cast from Halloween, Halloween to be in that movie as well. Like he he bought obviously the uh, uh, the Laurie Stroh character, and he brought the the Annie character. Those two actresses, um, they they brought them to that to that movie. And it just it just to me it's just very interesting when a you could tell when a director likes a certain actor. You know what I mean? So they they keep bringing him in over and over in their films again and stuff. I was I was kind of like that. I was like when you know like when directors find who they like and they recast them in different roles to kind of give them a chance to expand their careers yeah yeah i think that's cool too like quentin tarantino does that a lot and i think it's yes. really cool yeah, like he'll uh, write a movie and then like oh well this is john travolta's part or whatever you know yes um carpenter definitely did that a whole lot in his career yes he did that a ton with different actors and it kind of helped them you know form their careers pretty much mm -hmm. i mean um you know, Tom Sullivan comes to mind as well, too, as a guy, which we'll be talking about here next week. He, he comes to mind as well as somebody that Carpenter used a ton. Um, but uh, a couple things about Halloween 2. So, obviously, it's a direct sequel to Halloween 1, which we find out. Um, so, so, Carpenter and Hill, they came back and they wrote the, uh, the screenplay for the sequel. Carpenter was reluctant to extend his involvement and mostly refused to direct it. So he instead he appointed the directing duties to uh, Rossignol. Um, so Halloween 2 um, reproduces certain key elements that made the original Halloween a success. Uh, such as per first person camera views that we saw a light in this movie. And um, obviously the film picked up on the, uh, the cliffhanger ending. So it's like it's kind of like weird housing like the movie like it, it seems like it's like one big long movie instead of being like oh it's just like here's like two days later or or one year later or ten years later it just picks up right where we left off yeah it's five minutes later <laughs> yeah how do you feel Basically. about that when movies do that I actually kind of like that but that's I love it um and it doesn't happen a lot and it doesn't happen enough I don't think but yeah it's like it's literally takes place um like right at the like it's basically the next thing like they don't sleep at all apparently like loomis doesn't sleep for this entire two or three days no I don't no, think. no he is uh <laughs> bro 
His character <laughs> just, is so much different than the first movie. <laughs> it's fucking great. I love it. I well, love he's been through things. a lot at this yeah, point. He hasn't up. slept in three or four days, probably. You know, he's probably just, you know, surviving on, like, caffeine and cocaine at this point. Yeah. Um, trying to trying to kill this uh, unkillable yes. guy. But, um, so, which is very interesting about Halloween 2. So, you know, it's well known that Carpenter didn't necessarily want to make Halloween 2, but he they gave him a lot of money. <laughs> I mean, and the thing is, you know, Halloween is such a big success that they made this movie Halloween 2 with a budget of 2.5 million. And well, at the, yeah, which I think yeah. is a really big risk. Yeah. And then at the box office, that thing did 20 25.5 million. So, yep. So, this is pretty much like after Halloween 2 we have now realized, okay, this we have something here with Halloween. But, you know, as we're going to be exploring next week, um, they wanted to do a different direction, and that direction uh, didn't really work out. But we'll talk about that next week in long form. You know, we talked about, you know, Carpenter Hill um, making the um, making the script for Halloween. Uh, so some of the stuff they had, so they planned to have Myers trap Laurie, Sto- Laurie Strode to her, to her new home in a high-rise apartment building. So this is some of the ideas that they were coming up with of what could have been. Um, however, however the, the setting was later changed to Haddonfield Hospital in a script. So at first, they were thinking about having her do all pretty much half the movie in like an apartment building. Um, but uh, they later changed it to like a hospital, which I kind of like the hospital theme. Um, you don't really see a whole lot of that you know, in like horror movies, like I mean, I, later on you did, but I think this is, might have been one of the first we see a lot of that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of cool that they do have this like hospital, like the hospital thing is perfect because there's a lot of places for them to go, like places for Michael to hide. Yet it's still they're still closed in. You know what I mean? Like yeah. so, so it's so if they did it in a house or even an apartment building, I feel like it would be it wouldn't have been as good because there's not as many places for them to run away from Michael and for him to chase them. Whereas the hospital keeps them closed in, but it also has different places where they can go different rooms, I guess you could say. Yes. So according to Tommy Lee Wallace, who worked on the crew of the original film, he apparently said that nobody was that excited of making a sequel, but the producer Irwin, which we talked a lot about on the uh, lights out episode, he was eager to make a second film, obviously because he wanted yeah. that money. <laughs> you know? Exactly. I was about to say I mean, that. Yeah, I need more money. So you need to make a sequel to this thing that yes. just made me a million dollars. Exactly. So when he, so how Erwin approached Carpenter, Carpenter was in the midst of making The Fog. And mm-hmm. according to him, he planned to produce The Fog for Carpenter, but that Robert, he inverted and acquired the production rights with the company. NBC Pictures. NBC yeah. Pictures, my bad. Embassy mm-hmm. Pictures. So, so I, you know, so Arwen, he wanted to, he wanted to produce the the fog, but then somebody beat him to it. So a lawsuit between um, Irwin and Embassy Pictures ensued, and which determined that Embassy would retain the rights to the fog. So while this happened, Irwin he composed International Pictures would be granted production rights for Halloween. So a little back and forth legal battle, mm-hmm. I guess, between the two movies. So that's interesting. So I didn't I didn't know that. So basically Carpenter was going to make the fog and Erwin wanted to produce it. Yes. Just like he did Halloween. But then somebody else 
paid for it first, essentially. This other Rob, this Robert guy. Yeah, um, pretty produ- much took he, it over. Paid for it to produce it, and then then you, I guess, I guess you can sue for that. Like, <laughs> I mean, you know, he didn't sign a contract with him. Like, you know, Carpenter wasn't under contract to make another movie with Irwin at this time. I don't think. Yeah. I mean, not that I know, but it doesn't seem like he was. So I mean, um, it's probably just whoever picked up the rights, you know. I mean, because it looks like Carpenter had anything to do with that. It was just probably just between the two producers, right? Going, going and then back and forth, yeah. So then he basically got his Halloween two made because he he sued, he sued, he would have, you know, that was probably part of the deal when they uh, dropped the lawsuit or whatever that Carpenter would write. Uh, yeah. Halloween two for him because they definitely did not want to do it. Carpenter yeah. did not want to do it. Exactly. So you know, even says so. Carpenter described that his writing of the screenplay was like this. He said mainly, mainly dealt with a lot of beer, sitting in front mm. of a typewriter, saying, "What the fuck am I doing?" I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Which is crazy because I actually like a lot of this movie. Like this is not a bad movie. I think no, it's, it's actually. Not a bad movie I actually think it's a great sequel. But yes. you know. I get where he's coming from. I think he liked a little bit more of like the mystery because, you know, something that Halloween two didn't really have was the uh, the whole mystery of Michael Myers and stuff like that. Like we, you know, we they, they hinted about what he was, but we didn't really know for sure what he was. It was more of a, more of a mystery, which I, I get it. I get somebody wanted to keep their story like that. Um, yes, but also other than the the seek the super strength thing aspect of. Uh, of the of the first movie where i think that's just an oversight like i think that it's just something they didn't think about you know they didn't think about how hard it would really be to hold up a person with one hand but um you know he's in in the first movie he's other than that he's just a regular person you know what i mean like he's not i mean until the very end when they shoot him six times and then he comes back he's he's just a regular person um so at the end of that movie, you're like, oh, wow, maybe there's more to this. And if they never made another movie, I think that would have been a fantastic way to end it, where he's just like, nothing can stop this guy. What's going on? He's going to chase me forever. Yeah. Um, which adds to the to the fear that you have, like we talked about yesterday, where it's the fear of, you know, there could be this person in your house in the dark and you, you can't see him and you would never know he's there until he decides to attack you. Um but in this movie, he, they go way off the rails with the supernatural elements, in my opinion, um, which I'll point out as we go. But um, the, he becomes basically like uh, a magical being almost in, at this point, I believe. Yeah, he's almost at Jason level. Almost, yeah. Almost. So a big thing. So there was a plot twist. Okay. Uh-oh. And this has always been the most, probably the most controversial part of Halloween was mm-hmm. that the the plot twist is obviously of Laurie Stroh being Michael Myers' sister. Okay, so right. So origin. So the plan. So what they what they claim Carpenter and Hill is that the plan was that was never planned. It just kind of happened. You know, kind of like in wrestling matches. Like you know, when somebody gets over, oh, it just kind of happens. So apparently, right. it just kind of happened. Uh, purely has a function of having decided to become involved in the sequel to the movies where I didn't think there was really much of a story left. This is what Carper said. He would later say, like, f- referring to that plot line, he's like, ah, oh, it was kind of silly and foolish. <laughs> Thought it would, but it would go on to shape a lot of the movies that we're obviously going to be talking about this this month, especially when it comes to the Thorn trilogy of 4, 5, and 6. Uh, it yeah, also, it changed everything. Yeah, and also, too, you know, Halloween H2O is based off that. Resurrection was based off that. 
I think I think Rob Zombie's movies did they? Ha- I don't remember if they used the uh, it was his sister or not plotline. But I know obviously the 2008 reboot they they killed that they killed that off. Yeah, which is so yeah. So the reboots are kind of the sequels that maybe Carpenter would have wanted to make if he didn't if he didn't add the sister element to it. Yes. So obviously we have a lot of the same cast in here. You know, obviously a couple of nude people, new nude news, new people. <laughs> we do have some nude people. Yeah, we do have some nude ones. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. We'll get into all that. That's be a fun scene. Um, <laughs> obviously, you know, after this Halloween two. You know, Halloween three comes out, and we'll be talking about Long for next week, so I don't want to get too much into that. But obviously, they take the, everything into a whole new direction. You know, same thing with all um, Carpenter films. He does his music. Um, he he re- revamped a lot of music in this in his movie. You know, kind of like making like different versions of some music that we heard in the original Halloween. Um, and I thought it was very fun that they added the song "Mr. Sandman" to the Halloween. I thought that was really fun. Um, yes. And I thought it went pretty pretty well <laughs> with the uh, the actual theme. But um, one thing, when I was doing some of my research on this movie, I didn't really know about this story. And let me see if see if you guys did. So there was something called the Halloween Two Murders. It's a real life murder that happened. So this incident, with minor connections to the film, heightened attitudes about the potent effects of media violence on young people. So on December seventh. 1982, Richard Delmore Boyer and Elmont, uh, of Elmont, California, murdered Francis and Ellen Herbitz, an elderly couple in Fullerton, California, leading to the trial People vs. Boyer, 1989. The couple were stabbed 43 times by Boyer. According to the trial transcript, Boyer's defense was that he suffered from hallucinations and the Herbitz research brought on by the movie Halloween 2. So this guy was so disturbed by Halloween 2 that he claims that this is why he was uh, seeing things and that's why he killed this couple. But he was also under the influence of PCP, marijuana, and alcohol. Hmm. So apparently the film was played for the jury and they they analyzed it. Uh, Somebody was up there analyzing it, pointing out Various similarities between its scenes and the visions defended um, described. So Boyer was found guilty and sentenced to death. The incident became known as the Halloween 2 Murders and was featured in a short segment on TNT's Monster Vision hosted by film critic Joe Bob Briggs. Following the hey, trial, Joe Bob, Joe Bob really. Following the trial, moral uh, critics came to defense of horror films and rejected calls to the ban. So, you know, obviously during this, since this guy you know, made it public that he killed people because of Halloween too, basically. You know, a lot of people will come out to try to ban horror movies, which has been happening mm. for over time. But, um, you know, some, like, uh, some people would say, like, it would be silly, after all, to ban horror films just because Boyer claims to have thought that he was reenacting Halloween too, Or to ban yeah. cars because Texas housewife Claire Harris initially ran down and killed her husband. Nor does it make sense to ban otherwise useless items such as drugs or guns just because some individuals misuse them. Yeah, it had nothing to do with the PCP, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. The PCP or the drugs or his bad mental state. But, you know, that's yeah. a big uh, you know, topic about horror movies and, and everything. Like, you know, do they rot people's brain and stuff? Do they, do they rot their minds where they go out there and cra- crazy? To be honest with you, like, I mean, my opinion is like, you know, 
if a crazy person's gonna watch a horror movie, I mean, he's crazy. The you know he has something wrong with his <laughs> bread. His brain is so anything's gonna make him do it. Like maybe the Halloween two maybe gave him some ideas of how to do it, but he's crazy anyway. You know what I mean? So well, right. And you know, I mean, PCP is known to cause violent states. Yeah. Um, it kind of annoys me that they mentioned the marijuana because because we because nobody has ever killed anybody. Well, this is the eighties. So of course well, they're gonna mention marijuana. Yeah. You know, nowadays but, they don't give a shit about that, but. But yeah, but yeah, PCP is known to make people violent and, um, you know, insane. But it is pretty um, interesting where this guy watched Halloween two and didn't feel like he had to reenact it, which is, which is weird because you know Michael didn't even kill like any older couple. Like he, the older couple that he had in the movie, he missed. He didn't. He didn't do yeah, anything I, with them. Right. I wonder what the similarities were that they would bring up because I mean, I mean, he he stabbed somebody and Michael stabbed somebody. I mean, you could probably find a, a thousand, maybe not a thousand, but hundreds of movies where somebody stabs somebody else. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like why this particular movie other than this was like his defense or whatever for for doing this thing. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, I just this is all dumb. Yeah. It's, it's all very, stupid. Very very interesting uh story that's that we'll be seeing, you know, stuff like that kind of even happens nowadays uh, where they blame media and media stuff on everything. Um, but it's, it's just very fascinating to see that that actually is connected to this movie. But um, let's get into all of that uh, drama and let's get into mm-hmm. some more drama. Let's get yeah. into Halloween 2. I shot him six times. I shot him in the heart. He's not human. Universal Pictures presents Halloween 2. More of the night he came home. Who is it? There was nothing within him, neither conscience nor reason, that wasn't even remotely human. Some kind of a joke? I've been trick-or-treated to death tonight. You don't know what death is. Janet, go tell Mr. Garrett we're having trouble with the phones. There is no place to hide. He will always find you. What's this? It's a Celtic word. It means the Lord of the Dead. All right. So we're here. We're in Hattonfield, Illinois. We have Mr. Sandman playing. Cue, mm-hmm. I'm going to cue Mr. Sandman right now. All right, Mr. Sandman is playing as I'm speaking. We're in Haddonfield. We have a nice little song. Every time I listen to this song, I think about ice cream. Mr. Sandman. I, don't know, I don't know why. You're not thinking about it? Okay, anyway, we're going on. When I hear this song, I think about Halloween 2 because I'd never heard this song before I saw this movie. So now every yes. time I hear it, I think about Halloween 2. Yes, exactly. So, yes. It's like the perfect, it's like such a random song to play for Halloween. I love it. So we're seeing a couple of scenery, and then this is where we get pretty much, we, we start off right when um, Lori just got done stabbing Michael Myers with the, with the coat, uh, um, the coat hanger. Coat hanger, And yeah. then a knife. And she tell, she's telling Lindsay and she's telling Tommy to go get the neighbors, go get the Wallaces, call the police and do what I say. And this is when we get <laughs> Michael standing up and Loomis sees it and stuff. And the only, the only thing they really changed about this, I think they had some different music playing. That's about it. 
And then uh, yeah. Loomis yeah. goes up there. He shoots Michael Myers six times. Six times. Okay, so we should definitely do a like drinking game. <laughs> <laughs> so every time we say six times, everybody has to take a shot or a swing at their beer. Because I boy, shot him six times. Six times. <laughs> so Loomis shoots him six times. And then we get a new scene of him looking downstairs. Not upstairs this time. He's looking downstairs. And Michael's gone. And he has this look in his face like, oh, shit. Shit is going on. So he runs outside. This neighbor comes out. He's like, hey, man, what's going on here? He's like, I shot him six times. <laughs> Called the police. And he's like, hey, man, what, what are you talking about, man? I've already been trick-or-treat to death tonight. And Loomis is like, you don't know what death is. You don't know is. what death is. And then fucking <laughs> music plays. Dun, 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 dun. I was like, fuck, that's awesome. I mean, come on now. Yeah. I mean, what a, what an opening scene. I loved it. I was like, yeah, that's a rocket. And, you know, something we forgot to talk about, too, on the lights out, like the intro with the pumpkin. Fantastic. I love it. And this one was like the pumpkin where you close up to it and it opens up into a skull. So very, very, so very unique. Yes. So I wanted to point out two things here. Uh, one, <laughs> just to think about that guy, the neighbor. Yeah. So we assume that the neighbor doesn't know any of this is going on somehow, yeah. but um, you know he doesn't notice the murder happening next door. But like, can you imagine how that guy must like what be, he must be thinking? Like how? Yeah. Because <laughs> he just comes out and tells you know Loomis is like I, he's like I've been trick or treated to death night, and then Loomis like screams at him about how he doesn't know what death is, and the yeah. guy's probably like, "Wow, this is a crazy motherfucker." This yeah, exactly. is next door. I'm going back inside now. <laughs> What's also interesting, you know, when we were doing the Halloween review on that uh on the lights out you know yeah. Lori, when she was getting attacked by michael i think that's the neighbor she was knocking on and that neighbor ignored her yeah so imagine how that guy trick or treated a death yeah, right? been, yeah exactly so <laughs> semi caught back from the first movie there too so man that guy yeah. must feel like shit afterwards like yeah he probably was hiding his face hmm. so but that's got it I was going to say, but that skull logo, like yeah. where it opens up and it's the skull, like I used that on the poster too, where it's like a skull superimposed over a pumpkin. Yeah. That shit is one of the best movie posters ever made, in my opinion. I, I absolutely love it. It looks so cool. It looks great on a t shirt. Yeah. It's, it's fantastic. I mean, whoever designed that, whatever like art department designed that, that guy's brilliant. He probably got paid almost nothing to do that. Yeah. But like true. that was, it was, that is absolutely brilliant. Yes. It's very, very awesome. Um, so this is when we get the first per after the intro, the cool intro. This is when we get Michael. We see first person view, and I actually really like to see because we're seeing from his first person view. They brought that back, and he's just around a neighborhood. We hear a bunch of dogs barking at Michael and stuff. You know, just like normal neighborhood dogs barking. We see some yeah. kids trick or treating and stuff, and then you know what we hear after that? After Michael's walking around, we hear our boy Loomis. He yep, meets up screaming. with the sheriff Lee six times. I shot him six times. Six times like, I shot shut him. Shut the fuck up. So Larry's like, what the fuck? <laughs> what are you no. talking about? Six times I shot him. He's like, no, you didn't. He's not human. I swear. Like you must have missed him. You must have missed him, yes. So this, so, is, <laughs> this is this is an interesting scene, too, because I didn't know that I'd ever noticed this until I watched the movie this time. Because yeah. I always assumed that, you know, he wakes back up or, or Michael gets back up. He knows sales the six six times that he was shot. Yeah. And then he goes, and I always keep thinking like, oh, he goes back after Lori, but he doesn't. He runs down the alleyway away from them. And I think that's interesting because I don't know why he did that. Like why, you know, he seems to still want to kill Lori, 
but he doesn't go back after her immediately. He's Bro. like hiding in the in the little streets, the back streets behind her house. Yeah. So maybe you know maybe he wants to go back into his stalking phase. And he's like, oh, that works yeah. better. If I just maybe he has to recover or something. But yeah, yes. I think that's interesting though. But anyway, continue on with your story. So he's walking around. He sees an old lady, and this old lady is like, "You want mayonnaise on your sandwich? What about mustard?" <laughs> I love it. And then. Um, there, the, the husband's watching, um, uh, night of the living dead, the original yep. one. And this is when we get a cut in to a news report, like saying, Hey, we, this is a news report. We found like three dead bodies that have been happening earlier. And this is when the, the old lady's like watching the TV kind of freaked out. And Michael comes in, takes the knife, bleeds a little bit, sees him and he just leaves. And, um, and then we hear like the, the, the night, night of the living dead, come back on it's like they're coming for you barbara they're coming for you barbara and the, la- the lady touches the blood and she freaks out i love it and during that it's almost a, kind of like a long shot which is kind of neat um in like a whole long i love the beginning part of this it's just so cleverly done and then after that she screamed and then we got the neighbor like hey uh hey uh um mr and mrs uh uh elrons are you guys okay are you guys okay and stuff and she doesn't hear anything back from them, so she just goes back inside, and she's talking to, I guess, her friend. And she's like, oh, yeah, you know, the neighbors, uh, they just fight all the time, and I think I think Mr. Elrond is beating her up right now. No big deal. <laughs> I was like, damn, okay. And then uh, she's talking about it to her friend. Obviously, we see Michael stalking her from outside, and eventually he goes inside. And she's just saying, like, oh, yeah, you know, my parents are gone, and I'm home alone and stuff. And she's like, oh, did you hear about the three dead bodies? Oh, no, I didn't. It's like, where was it at? It's like, well, that was on, um, that was on this street. It's like, that's only a block away. Oh my god! And then uh, eventually, she hears a noise. She hangs up the phone, and eventually, Michael stabs her. And we get our 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 first victim of Michael in this Halloween too. Um, so and I like to how this movie like pretty much almost half the movie we're listening to this broadcast about how the murders happen about the they found like these uh, three dead bodies so now we have the, the sheriff's department they show up at um, Tommy Doyle's house that's where Lori was at and she's being taken mm-hmm. to the hospital and the big thing about Lori she does not want to go to sleep so she just kept asking him not to not to put her to sleep um so this is like when uh, Ben. So we have Ben and Jimmy. Ben is like the yeah. uh, he has like kind of like that fro looking hairstyle, and Jimmy is like the younger cat. And they're both like uh, EMTs. And uh, Ben asks like, "Hey, you know this chick?" And Jimmy's like, "Yeah, this goes to school with my younger brother." And then they they go out, and then we cut to a scene where we see um, a mom taking her uh, her son into the hospital because the son. Probably ate a razor blade. Yeah, we. This is uh, to me. This is the most disturbing thing in this entire movie. Yeah. I mean, I can't. Um, I mean, I don't know how you feel about it, but like every time I watch this, like, like I just, I, I mean, like, I don't know. Like, it just, it just makes me cringe. Like, it's just so like this is the most disturbing thing in this entire movie with the with the razor blade stuck in the kid's mouth. Yeah. It's like, Ugh. yeah. And it's crazy. Like they used to do that and shit. Like. I mean, they put razor blade in kids' candy. I mean, like, fuck, man. Did they, people. or is it an urban legend? I don't like, know. There's man. never been a there's never been a documented case where that's happened. I mean, that's never happened to me. But 
I'm not sure either. Like that could be a that's a very interesting story. Yeah. In itself, the razor blades and candies or apples. That, yeah. Uh, they I still don't. I, I still cannot eat an apple without cutting it up because of this. Yeah. I mean, just just because, just in case. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just in case. But I always cut my apples up because of this. It's just it just like it just. Uh, uh. I mean, even right now, thinking about it, I'm just all like freaked out. But anyway, of all the things. We can, <laughs> Of all the things, but like, hey, I, I guess mean, you, man, like, it's pretty just, nasty. Ugh, yeah. So this is when we see that they're loading Lori into the hospital. The kid in his razor blade, they have to wait. I was like, "Come on, man, this kid's bleeding all death over here to wait." <laughs> I'm pretty sure that mm. this kid wouldn't have to wait. I mean, this yeah. kid could be bleeding to death. Exactly. It's like, oh, Lori had a little scratch on her, and she's like, first, come on now." So the doctor is like checking on uh, on Lori. Well, I guess her foot was all fucked up too. Uh, so the doctor's checking on Lori. He recognizes her and stuff. It's like, hey, this is uh, Lori. I get you know we we talked about this on the other review lights out that Lori's parents mm-hmm. were like um, realtors, and they uh, her parents were actually at a Halloween party, which they can never get a hold of them the whole night. I mean, fuck, <laughs> they must have been fucking drunk as shit wherever they the fucking went. <laughs> I was it's like, like it's like the, yeah, it's kinda, like the parents' worst nightmare, right? They didn't have a, <laughs> whatever. Guess, yeah, exactly. They didn't have a beeper back back then either. No. So they so you know, Lori's big thing, I don't want to go to sleep, I don't want to go to sleep. Doctor's like, okay, you're going to sleep. And they Although bet, is it is that what happens? Like I'm, I yeah. think that when you're bleeding to death, they try to keep you not not let you not go to sleep well she's not bleeding to death they she she just has a big cut and they want to sew it up uh, for some reason i guess they want to like make her go to sleep for some reason okay so they got to stitch her up pretty much okay so this is when we get loomis and we get lee talking in the car okay mm-hmm. um and they're trying to go around the neighborhood to kind of still go find michael yeah uh loomis is like still freaking out He's like, you know, like I shot him six times. Uh, the, you know, like we got to go around these neighborhoods and stuff and check everything. And then Lee's like, I must start not taking orders from you anymore. He's like, <laughs> yeah. and then like Lee was also saying that he's like the main sheriff. He was Annie's dad. Yeah, yeah. He was, right. he was like, he's like, you let him out here, didn't you, Doc? I didn't. Lewis is like, I didn't let him out. I told him to keep him in, locked up in there. They didn't listen. He does have a point there. He Lee's did like, tell them to not let him out. And then, and then he's like, I don't think you shot him six times. <laughs> it's just like he's like trying to make Loomis more crazy. Exactly. He's like, no, I did. I he could have just said, you know, okay, maybe you did. You did. You did yeah. shoot him six times. We'll find him. You know, just calm down. He's yeah. like, no, you, you. he's like, you didn't really shoot nah, him. Probably, How many times yeah. did you shoot him, Loomis? Six yeah. times. Six times. He's like, I don't think you did. And then Loomis is like, look, look over there. Look, those kids. Look at that. He's like, is that him? I don't know. They run to this fucking guy who's dressed up like Michael Myers for some reason. All right. And then they fucking. It is, it is an unfortunate. <laughs> it is unfortunate that he's like, wearing was that, the same So, mask. Which is very interesting. So, you know, <laughs> when we were watching Halloween, you know, n- nobody knew that mass killer was Michael Myers. You know what I mean? Except for right. Loomis. Loomis knew who it was. But everybody else didn't know him. So he was basically called The Shape. You know, that's what his like yeah, title right. was, The Shape. So exactly. for this guy who created his own, co- how did this guy get Michael Myers' outfit? Did he like lend him the outfit? Like what? How did just no, like a, did he find he has the really bad luck? Did he find the the same Kurt, uh, uh, Captain Kurt mask or some shit? Like what? Yeah, and spray painted it that's, white. 
Yeah, that's what happens in my head canon is that he just he just has uh, Ben Tramer has really bad luck and yes. he just picked the same mask as Michael. Which is interesting about the uh, the Ben Tramer as well because that was the the guy they were trying to hook up Laurie with. Yeah, in the first movie. So very very exactly. very good good old tight ends. But basically they go Loomis and, and Lee go running after him. Loomis he's about to shoot this motherfucker. He I was does say, not Loomis care. is going to blow his brains out. This he guy like, just in case. I mean you talk about a 180. He was kind of calm during the first movie. He's like, "Yeah, you know, Michael escaped. I stared at the wall for like 15 hours and a day and stuff and like he's he's pretty dangerous." Next thing I know, six times motherfucker I got to shoot this motherfucker <laughs> down the street. Look at him. Ask questions later. And then this cop just runs into the fucking kid and blows his shit up. All right? And then, like... Fuck. This then is they, a pretty cool scene where the kid's burning, though. Yeah, yeah, he's burning stuff. They're just looking. And the cop's like, guy came out of nowhere. Motherfucker, we were, what are you talking came out of nowhere? This motherfucker was, like, speeding. Like, this this street looked like it was, like, 35 miles per hour. This motherfucker was going 60. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> that cop was more to blame than anything. I just ran his ass over and then they're you know they're talking about it. I was like okay I hope that's him and shit. Next thing we know, our boy Hunt shows up. All right, blonde hair humped Hunt. Mm-hmm. He tells Lee, let me see if I can do this. All right, my acting chops are on here. <clears throat> I always love this scene too. I don't know why I like this scene because I think it's like it's like kind of creepy. Hunt comes there. He's like, Sheriff, I need to talk to you. He's like, what's going on, Lee? They found three bodies. One of them was Annie. And they start freaking out and they just run in the car. Mm. I was like, oh shit. That was great. This guy's about to find out his daughter's dead. Oh, that's creepy. So that part, uh, that part always like stands out when I watch this movie. Um, yeah. so and you did a really good job at that too. I like that, huh? Hey man, I got a, I got a little little acting chaps in there every once in a while. Yeah. You do. <laughs> so now we're at the hospital. Okay. Um, and Jimmy is na- visiting now. He's a uh, uh, well, Jimmy and uh, Ben and stuff. They are like uh, listening to the to the radio in like kind of like the break room, all right. And they're talking about you know the three people that are dead, and they have an escaped mental patient that's out there who's still out there. So uh, this is when Jimmy also he goes and checks on uh, Lori. You know what I mean? Make sure she's okay and everything. Mm-hmm. Um. And they also, this is also too when the the, the head nurse, um, she says, you know, hey, you're, you're going to be okay. You know, you have a broken bone, but it, it's not like, uh, see, it basically has a fracture, but like it's not, it's not broken. It's like a bone. It's like messed up, but it's not a broken bone. Right. Um, and then Jimmy is farting a little bit. He's all like, hey, um, you want like a water? You want like a Coke? She's like, yeah, I'll take a Coke. And I was like, yeah, I bet you will. And then Jimmy's like, hey, we got to Ben's like, hey, we got to get out of here. We got three more bars to get. He's like, I'll get you that Coke later. That <laughs> motherfucker never gave her that Coke, too. Nope. Nope. Second. He tried. He tried. Um, so after this, um, they go out there. And um, uh, this is when we, we're basically at the uh, uh, Lindsay's house now, where all the three major murders happen. Um. And the newscaster, they're all out there. Like, there's like a shit ton of newscasters out there. They all want to get statements. Like, this one girl's like, listen, find the parents, get a statement for them. If you don't find them, make a statement up. Basically, that's what she was saying. Yep. So they, they want to try to get the dirt. This is when uh, the sheriff Lee he finds his daughter 
this is a pretty sad scene where he closes her eyes and everything. Mm, yeah. And uh, he's like, I need to go tell my wife. And this is when Hunt basically is like, hey, you know, I'll take over and you you go home. And then Lee still blames Loomis. He's like, damn you for letting him out. Loomis is like, I didn't let him out. I didn't let him out. I didn't let him out, man. It wasn't me. I didn't. I, you know, you got to feel kind of bad for this Loomis. Like, like nobody listens to this guy. Like, that's going to be the theme. <laughs> okay. <laughs> going forward when we see Loomis, nobody wants to listen to this motherfucker at all. Like, it's just right. like, I, he, he's a nice guy too. Like, it just goes nuts. Like, because to be honest with you, I don't blame him for going nuts no, because nobody's listening not. to this guy. It's like, fuck, yeah. just listen. This is, that's why he goes crazy, right? Because yeah. nobody's listening to him. Yes. And then people are blaming him for letting him out yeah. when he's the only one who wanted to lock Michael up. Yes. So this Loomis is, should be like, look, I, I hope he kills all of you. Yeah. I tried to keep this motherfucker in prison. Exactly. And nobody would listen to me. Yes. So hopefully he kills all of you. Yeah. So, but he's a little ni- nicer than that. So this is when Loomis is basically saying, like, listen, that this guy is not a human. Basically, he's basically tr- trying to say that, you know, because like basically Hunt at this time, the 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 acting sheriff. He mm. is like he's kind of convinced that they killed the guy, you know, the guy who's in that car crash, lighting up. And then Loomis wants to make sure. He's like, "Listen, we got to make sure because this guy, he's 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 a monster. He's, there's nothing there. There's no soul there. He just bide his time this whole time for like 15 years and stuff." And the hunt's like, "Well, you know, are you? St- we got to make sure this is him." And then Loomis is like, "Okay, let's go to the hospital and let's figure out who basically died in that that car crash." That was over there. Because mm-hmm. um, they want to see, they want to examine some of the bodies. Um, and then, uh, uh, by the way, did you did you know that Loomis uh, shot him six times? Yeah, that, that's that's why he's crazy, right? Because he shot him six times. Yes, by the way. Mm. And, he, and he didn't die. <laughs> Wrong time. We, we, maybe we should have done that. Got some shots and shit. We would have drunk six as times. shit. We could have been drunk as shit yeah. by the end. We'd of already movie. be drunk by now. <laughs> We'd already be drunk by now. So... <laughs> So there's a kid, right? And he's walking around with a boombox. And, and like he's not playing music, he's playing the radio broadcast of what happened tonight. <laughs> yeah, and that and that how what every cool kid in 1981 would be doing. Yeah. You'd be listen, walking around with your boombox listening to the news. Yeah, we're not listening to some, you know, no MC Hammer shit like that. We're listening <laughs> to fucking news, all right? That's what we're listening to. Yeah, it's the coolest kid in the world. Yeah. So we see these two girls. One of them is going to be known as Karen. And this other girl wants to be driving. Be, I guess I don't know if they're coming from a party. They're coming from somewhere. But one woman must be driving home, and they basically she ends up driving this girl home before she goes to work. I guess. So they drive off. We see the kid with the boombox still listening to the radio station about all the murders that just happened. And Michael walks up, and this is when Michael finds out that Laurie Strode got sent to the Hattonfield Hospital. Yeah, because the fucking news told him. Because the kid with the boombox and the news told him. <clears throat> yep. So that's when but, he's walking on the street, just normal, walking there. Go ahead. Yes, but we forgot one key plot point. Go ahead. Um, so the scene where Sheriff Brackett leaves because he can't, you know, he has to go deal with his, his, his daughter dying. There's a key plot point where the deputy is talking to Loomis about Michael and he's trying to offer him a cigarette. Yeah. Which is actually my favorite part of the entire movie. I think it's hilarious that Loomis, like he's trying to. He, so he, he the, the <laughs> deputy starts smoking, and he hands <laughs> he hands Loomis the cigarette, and, and or he offers him one, and he takes it, and he just holds it in his hand, 
and like ignores the deputy and then the deputy tries to light it and then he never puts it in his mouth so he just like lets the lighter go out and then hands it to loomis and then loomis takes the lighter and then never lights it yeah Um, which this will come into play at the end of the movie this is a key plot point that happens at the end of the movie yeah you're right he just i just think it's hilarious that he never like I like he it. never he never lights a cigarette. He just takes it from the guy and ignores him and talks about how he shot him six times and he's not human. Yes, I like that. Yeah, that's right. See, I like that because you found something that I missed in the movie. So that's that's a great key pop point. Also, too, um, this is also when we found out about Ben Tramer too, because uh, two kids were looking for him. He said he was walking around town drunk in a Halloween mask and he was seventeen. <laughs> and Michael and Loomis is like, oh, 17. walking around in a mask. Oh shit. <laughs> So, <laughs> might have, we might have killed the wrong guy. <laughs> we might have killed the wrong guy. Oops. <laughs> so, um, so this is also, you know, so when Mike finds out the hospital, he's like walking normally in the street, which I thought was pretty creepy as well, too. I like that scene. Mm-hmm. So this is when we get Cameron Shear now arrives at the hospital. Okay. And then so does Mike. Mike arrives at the same time. Um, so, so this is when we have a news bulletin saying that Chestnut Road is jammed with cars. That used to be a peaceful street. Now everybody's trying to either get out because they have, they have killers on the loose. And we we have we have Ben, Jimmy, and we have the uh, blonde nurse. They're all in the, uh, the the lunchroom, and they're just like hanging out, listening to the news. And Ben, his whole thing is he wants pizza, but he doesn't want any mushrooms on him. <laughs> he makes a point of that. Do you like mushrooms. mushrooms on your pizza, there, Allison? I do. I love mushrooms. I almost can't have a pizza without mushrooms. I'll I'll fight over pizza over mushrooms. Yeah, I mean, I would I would definitely like my favorite things on a pizza. I mean, I don't mind mushrooms. You can add that shit on there. That's fine. Mm. But I had to have black olives. I love black. Oh olives man, black pizza. olives are so good. You know, my actually my favorite pizza is pepperoni and jalapenos. Have you ever tried that? It's so good. I will. I I can't. I can't do spicy stuff. Like jalapenos are too okay. spicy for me. Too hot. Okay. I can't do it. Okay. Well, but I can do everybody. probably my main if I was gonna do topping style pizza, it'd probably be uh pepperoni, it'd be mm-hmm. black olives, it'd be banana peppers, and it'd be mushrooms. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, we could we could uh, definitely we could definitely split a pizza. We yeah. wouldn't have to do half and half like yeah, all these people yeah, do. Yeah, we'd be fine. Um yeah. Um and then uh so this is when um we have the security guard Garrett. He is what do you catch what movie he was watching? I didn't really catch that, but he was listening to some like watching some horror movie, and he's just yeah, like chilling, um, and he just sees Michael like Michael's on the TV just walking by just fine. Yeah, because he's uh doesn't notice anything. He's yes. the worst security guard ever. So yes, <laughs> and so now we're back at the lunchroom, and then Ben and the nurse they're talking about uh, the nurse's friend seeing Michael Myers. And then Ben's like, "How did how did he even see him? He just escaped yesterday, <laughs> or like no tonight? He said he just escaped tonight. How did they even see him yesterday?" And then she leaves off. She's saying like, "You're a really jerk, Ben." And then Karen comes in. She's like, "Hey, how's everybody doing?" Stuff, and you can notice that there's some flirtation going on with Karen and Ben. So and then she leaves, and then um, Ben's like. Starts a singing song. Ben sings this little song here, <clears throat> if I may. <clears throat> All right. He sings, Amazing Grace, come sit on my face. Don't make me cry, just give me your pie. <laughs> 
And then Jimmy's all pissed off. Don't be joking around here, fucking uh, Ben. That could have been your brother or sister. He's like, oh, just calm down, man. What the fuck? I'm just trying to get some pie from this nurse. He's like, yeah. he's like, listen, man. Don't be meshing with no patients, man. Where it's at is the nurses. They're the freaks. Mm. <laughs> Which uh, I, just, I did not know, but yeah. apparently that's true. Yeah. So, but yeah, I like our like, I like our boy Jimmy with this little remix version. Of yeah, amazing, he's great. Song. Good song. Yeah, I love Jimmy. So this is when Michael's walking around. We're establishing that Michael's stalking the whole hospital now. Karen's walking around too, and uh, Karen, she her position is she takes care of the kids, but she's late. So the head nurse gets onto her about being late. You know, it's a life and death and shit for these kids if you're late and stuff. And you're a good nurse, but if you show up late again, we're going to have to can your ass. <laughs> uh-huh. She didn't really say all that, but that's basically what she was saying. Yeah, we got to be on time for shit. Yeah, so now Jimmy's back talking to Lori. He didn't take Ben's advice, apparently. Uh, he's like saying, like, you know, they should have handled him better. And she's like, what are you talking about? He's like, Michael Myers. So should have handled him the doctors and stuff and and what what we always kind of forget about when we watch halloween one is laurie she she didn't know who the fuck this guy was you know what i mean right she just thought this guy was just some random dude in a mask stalking her friends and killing her like she didn't know the background story she didn't know any of this that's why it's very interesting you know that's why they called him the shape and everything because he had no name no nothing which is you know i get why they wanted to keep the the original movie like that because it's more of a mystery, more more creepy that way. But you know, this is when yeah. Jimmy's basically going over the plot, like, yeah, that's Michael Myers. And she's like, Michael Myers? Wait a minute. You mean that guy was in the hospital the whole time? Like, <clears throat> you know, like, why was he... He's the one that killed his sister on Halloween night and stuff. Why is she coming after me? Like, why me? So does, in the first <laughs> movie, does Loomis call him Michael other than in the scenes where he's a kid? Does he ever call him Michael in the movie? Um... <clears throat> he, 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 yeah, he, yeah, but he told the sheriff basically. Like, right, the, okay. the only one he was really talking to in the first movie that we remember doing it from yesterday was basically he was only really talking to the sheriff. And I think, mm-hmm. like, because I don't think he wanted to freak out the whole town about it. Like, he just kind of wanted to find him on his own. So that's why he told the sheriff, right. like, hey, this is a bunch of, you know, this is Michael Myers, killed his sister 15 years ago. Um, this helped me look around this, this, this town and we'll go to his house and, you know, and then, you know, the sheriff agreed because it was like, Hey, you know, just in case you're right, Loomis, like, I don't want a slaughter to happen, which it happened anyway. Right. Sure. So that's the only time that that's the only people, two people who knew who actually the killer was. And obviously we us as the audience know, but it's very interesting to find out that, you know, obviously the main hero of the story, Lori didn't know until right now about who actually was coming after her. She found out on the hospital bed of this movie. Right. Um, and then the head nurse comes in, tells Jimmy to leave. Uh, and then she's having trouble getting hold of Lori's parents. She's like, Hey, I know your parents are at that party and like, they're not picking up and I don't know, are they drunk or something? Like, do you know where they're at or something? She's like, no. <laughs> and then of course the phone is not picking up off the hook and Lori's getting a little worried and the head, not head nurse is saying, don't worry about it. And then she, she brings over Janet. She's like, Hey, Janet. Go get Garrett over there and see what's going on these phones. She's like, well, that's all the way down the hall. She's like, go down there. So this is when we get Janet and Garrett. Garrett gives her a walkie-talkie. And Janet is like, I don't know how to use that. What the fuck? You just press a button. Yeah, it's, you just press a button and talk. Like, it's not technology. It's not high technology. Yeah. And then the guard, Gary's like, I want to go check the pool. Okay. Gets, so this is a long scene of him going out there checking a 
trash can gets scared by a cat. He noticed that the storm mm-hmm. room is open. Oh. And he goes to the whole storm room. He's like saying, he's trying to call back to Janet. Like, hey, call the police. Somebody broke into the storm room. And she's like, I can't hear you. What did you say? So they're going uh, back and of forth. Course. <laughs> so then he's like, oh, fuck it. So now he sees that there are a bunch of um, doors that got the locks broken off of them. So he's going through a couple doors, going through a couple doors, and eventually goes through the wrong door, closes it. Michael smashes him with the back of, with the edge of a hammer. No edge yes. of the axe here, brother. We have the edge of the hammer. Edge of the hammer. So, and then Jan's like, okay, I'm going back to the floor. Fuck this guy. Yeah, I can't hear him anyway. Fuck, fuck this guy. I'm not calling the police. Yes. So we have Loomis, we have Hunt, and we have the doctor, and they are looking at the dead, burnt-up kid in his teeth. All right? And they're looking at it, and they're like, oh, yeah, like, the teeth are all... Yeah, they're all there and shit, and it could be 17, and... uh, Yeah, they can't really tell, like, um, you know, if this is Michael or not. So, actually, I, I think we kind of uh, jumped... The, I jumped the gun on something with that scene yeah. that Ben was uh, a little later on. Oops! My bad. But, um... So, let's see. So... So now, Loomis, you know, the, the the doctor was saying, hey, this teeth right here, we can't really tell the guns, but the teeth look like somebody who's 17. And Michael's like, well, Michael's 21. All right? So yeah. this is like, he's basically saying, like, we got to go check the neighborhood again. We got to go check it all out. And then this cop comes in. He looks like they're all done because they think this is the dead killer. And then Hunt's like, all right, just get everybody back out there. Go check all their bios. Go check all their, all their towns and roads again. And uh, they said, like, so then we have another scene of the town. They're all throwing rocks at Michael Myers' house now. They're all throwing it and shit over there. And then Hunt and Loomis drive up. And then, um, you know, Loomis is like, yeah, they're all pissed because they butchered one of their own. And then Hunt tells everybody to go home. Um, and then this cop comes up to Hunt and says, I didn't see anything in there. He's like, check it, check it again. Keep checking around. And then this is when Hunt's like, hey, man, you know, you know, Haddonfield used to be a very quiet town. The only gunshots you would hear if they're doing some sort of car race. And then Loomis is like, well, uh, what about 15 years ago when uh, Michael Myers butchered his sister up in that room? And he's like, I was 16 at the time. I remember that whole story. Yeah. And this is when the kids come up and they're like, hey, we're looking for, for Ben Tramer, which is obviously the name that they were trying to hook up Lori with on the first movie. And they're worried about him. He was drunk and stuff. He was wearing some mask and he was 17. This is when Loomis is like, oh, shit. We okay. just killed the wrong kid. Yes. And then a cop comes up. Hey, there's a break-in at the school. And they all rush off. <laughs> so. So we have a we have the beeping lights. Scares Karen. And she's, go, she's going down to go check on whoever is calling for her. And it's our boy Ben. He's playing a little trick on her. He bite, And then she, uh, uh, Karen bites his hand and everything. And he's all saying happy Halloween. And he, obviously our boy Ben wants to get some. Um, <laughs> and then uh, uh, she's like, she's like, you know, you're a jerk and everything. She's like, oh yeah, well you love me anyway. She's like, yeah, I'm a fool for loving you. And then they, um, he's basically like, okay, hey, let's go take a break at the therapy room. And she's like, well, I can't leave these kids behind and shit. You know, they got to watch them over. It's like, this will be a couple minutes and stuff. And she's like, oh, well, you know, maybe we can hold up the door and 
If anybody screams, I can I can check. But let me go let me go check the kids first, and I'll meet you there. He's like, all right, we got you got 15 minutes. They stare at each other. like the time is uh, chipping down, and they go off. Um, so now starts the probably my favorite scene when I was a young man watching Halloween two, the therapy room scene. Okay. So, apparently, it's just the three doors down from where they were at. Um, they're both in a... Uh, so, they're going to the therapy room. But before that, uh, Lori has a dream. Which is this is kind of a weird scene. She has a dream, right? Of her mom saying, Hey, you're not my kid. Like a very asshole kind of type of mom. Hey, you're not my kid at all. Mm. And then she sees what we believe to be a young Michael staring at her... Uh, when he's not staring at the wall. So, yes, it was. So just this is her. So this is this her like remembering? I guess supposedly maybe her premonition. Premonition. Yes. So now we get to my favorite scene. I was a kid. The therapy room scene. We got Ben and Karen in the hotel getting in on. Karen's like, no, it's the first. Karen, you know, our boy Ben's in there. Karen gets a little undressed. As a young man, I was like, yes, it's about to happen. <laughs> uh, they start kissing in the hot water. She's like, oh, it's getting a little hot. And hot. <laughs> she was like, it's getting a little hot in here. Ben's like, it's just me. Ooh, smooth. Uh, and she's like, no, I'm not kidding. It's getting a little hot in here because obviously Michael's in there now raising up the temperature. Of the hot tub, yeah. And then Karen's like, listen, it's getting like truly hot in here. It, it, you, need, <laughs> you need to go check that thing. And he's like, well, it's cold out there. She's like, I'm about to make it cold in here. I was like, oh, okay. I get you. He's like, I got you. I got you. So Ben gets out. He checks on the thermometer and stuff. Uh, Karen gets out. She's wrapped herself in a towel. She doesn't see what's happening. So while Ben is like checking this thing, Michael just comes up to him. It's kind of a cool scene because, you know, the, like, the rooms are, are, are divided by a door, like a glass door. You can kind of see him, like a little yeah. part through. And Michael's like choking him and shit while she's getting dressed. <laughs> and it's just pretty creepy. How that works out. So she's sitting there. She goes, um, she goes to sit down. Michael comes out and gives her, her him his, the hand, and she's like touching the hand, saying, "Oh, you know, I'm sorry. I really got to go right now. I'm sorry and stuff. I'll make it up to you. Uh, do you want to go have breakfast?" <laughs> and she's like mm. kissing his hand and everything. And then she eventually looks around. She freaks out. And it's Michael. And he fucking grabs this girl. And this part freaked me out. And it still kind of freaks me out. Like, he fucking dipped her in this hot water and her fucking skin was coming off. Ugh. That is fucking nasty. Yeah. yeah. Do do hot tubs get hot enough that they would, like, burn the skin off of a person? I mean, this one looked like it was, like, a specialized <laughs> one or something. Like, Maybe. <laughs> so you could, so you, could, you could use it as a therapy tub or you could also, like, yeah. you know, boil a potato in it or something, yeah. I guess. I don't know. It's yeah. really strange. Because, I mean, you thing. know... You could even put your finger in hot water, in like boiling water, and it wouldn't like burn your skin off. It would burn you, but like not to this degree. I think this is a little bit exaggerated, but it makes a good effect, right? Where he, yes. where her skin's coming off every time he puts her face in the water, good effect. So this is definitely one of the most like like crazy death scenes in this movie. Probably my favorite one, just because it's so like nasty. Uh, this is a funny scene <laughs> that came up next. I don't know. I thought it was funny. I'm not sure if anybody else did, but I thought it was funny. So, 
So we have Loomis, Hunt, and this other police officer. They're at the school right now. And the police, this other police officer, he has his flashlight on a window. He's like, that's where he came in from. I'm like, that's a fucking, that's like a rat came through there. <laughs> like, how the hell he came through there? And he's like, here, check this out. And we see like some blood on the table. They're like, they're like anything else? He's like, yeah, over here. Yeah, over here. And then there's like a knife through a picture. And they're like talking something about sisters and stuff. And they're like, is there anything else? And the cop is like, yeah, over here. Yeah, over here. <laughs> <laughs> they just keep moving from station to station. Yeah. He's like a torso. He's like, look at look at these well-placed clues all throughout the school. Look at them. They're all placed. And I got to show you each one at a time. Individually. <laughs> and then this is when we get the whole Sam High stuff. Yeah. Uh, so, yes. So this is the first thing in the movie that I have an issue with. So... Obviously, he, John Carpenter doesn't know anything about this. Um, first of all, he mispronounces it as Sam Hain, which yeah. it should be pronounced Salin. But um, but then he he describes it as like they, they do talk about Salin is basically just a harvest festival. It's like a Celtic harvest festival. There's not has nothing to do with like uh, the Lord of the Dead or the yeah, end the of Lord summer, of the Dead or anything like the that. Festival. It does have to do with the end of summer and and then there's some like supernatural aspects of silent but it's it's basically just a harvest festival but in this movie it's sam hayne and he's the lord of the dead yes the the, the festival of doom the festival of doom all right which sounds like a great metal festival it does yes so during all this we see something in the background and this is um uh one of the uh, um the people that Loomis works with is one of the doctors that wasn't listening to him uh, when. Um, so you know, what's kind of neat about Halloween too, which we we actually talked about on the Lights Out episode. Um, so there was a a Halloween made-for-TV version. Yes. Oh, uh, and one of the extra scenes was Loomis trying to uh, appeal his case to the 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 I guess the the board of that particular hospital to keep Michael Myers in a more secure environment than what they want to bring him into. And they all didn't listen to him. So they brought that into the storyline of Halloween two, where one of the people that who are on the board came to go Loomis and basically was telling like, Hey Loomis, you're all right, but we can't have you around here because you being around here, you're going to be linked to the murder. So we don't want you to be linked because we don't want our hospital to have a bad name. So you need to come with us. And Loomis is like, you can't audit me. He's like, well, the governor can audit you. He's like, well, you guys should have listened to me, shouldn't you? Exactly. That's, that was my point at this point. At this point, I was just like furious for Loomis. I was yeah. like, wait a minute. Now, I'm the one that told you to yes. keep him locked up, and you wouldn't do it. Yes, and now he's and being blamed. now you're blaming me and saying it's my fault. Yeah. Because I told you to keep him locked up, and you didn't do it. But now I'm the one that's getting fired. Yeah. Was something that I told you not to do. Yeah, and they had a court martial out there to take him, so he he had to go no matter what. And then this is when Hunt. <laughs> this part's a little funny. So Hunt goes up to Loomis after Loomis is about to be, uh, you know, um, uh, taken in. He's all like, "I'm don't worry, I'll get him." He's like, "Where are you gonna find him?" Well, I have no idea. <laughs> He's like, "I have no idea either." So. Um, so this is when we have Jimmy. He's checking on Laurie again. And this is when he says, like, you know, I'm not going to have anything that happened to you, Laurie. And this is when he noticed that Laurie's eyes are open, but there's nobody home. 
So Jimmy calls up Janet. Janet tries to look for him, tries to help her out a little bit, and she wants to go look for the doctor. So this is when Janet goes look for the the doctor. He goes into his like room. She sees a shower. He keeps asking for. She keeps asking for the doctor. Um, but uh, the doc is not not replying. There's nobody in the shower. So she goes into his room. She's like, "Hey, doctor, you know, uh, Lori needs help. You know, doctor, doctor." And she turns him around. There we see the doctor has a a needle in his eye. And this is when we get one yeah. of the cool shots that we kind of got in the first movie with Michael slowly appearing, that, that mask slowly appearing right behind her in a dark shadow. Grabs Janet from behind and then puts a needle in her brain. And there mm. goes two, two of the characters dead. Yeah, a needle that can go through a skull. Well, yeah, you know, like... Uh, well, yeah. And apparently, <laughs> and apparently, Michael knows. Apparently, Michael knows how to do d- deadly doses of, of medicine as well. So, well, he just, yeah, he doesn't have to know that. He just puts as much as he can in there. I'm sure. Well, how does he even know how to even do any of that when he was staring at a wall for 15 years? Well, I mean, I'm sure they get probably gave him a lot of medication, so he probably saw saw them do it. So we said on the, our our last sort of lights out, this guy named Jeff probably helped out Michael to drive and shit. So maybe he Jeff just- showed him, like, "Hey, Michael, when you go out and kill people, <laughs> and and number two, this is the right medicine. To, this is how you kill people. See this medicine right here? Use this one." Okay. <laughs> yeah, that damn Jeff caused yeah. this whole problem. Fucking asshole, the Jeff guy screwed it all up. So now Jimmy needs to find the head nurse because this is ridiculous. Nobody's coming to go help out uh, Lori. <laughs> so this part is a little weird too. So Jimmy looks all around, all around the whole hospital and stuff. Mike's obviously walking around doing his thing, uh, doing the hunt. Um. So, so Mike goes into the room where he thinks Lori's at, and he stabs the pillow, but it's just a pillow. All right. And so now we see that ner- the Lori is now moving around and stuff. So after like Mike stabs a pill and stuff, now um, the nurse is now looking for Lori. She goes into Lori's room. There's no Mike. There's no Lori there. And we see kind of Lori walking around. We see Mike walking around, and we see them all. Is that I like the way they did this because yeah. they show a scene of Michael and Lori like walking around, but it's on like the the security camera, and then you can kind of see some people in real time view as well. Um, so we can kind of see the whole pieces moving around yeah so so she's walking around because she thinks michael's coming to kill her right yeah Lori. yeah that's what she's doing she's right. like looking around to see that but yeah this looks really cool because they're walking around the hospital i think this is one of the things that they use the hospital really well for because you can see like you said you can see them on the security camera and she's walking around like trying to avoid or I guess trying to find a place to hide is what she's trying to do. And then Michael's walking around separately trying to find her, but, and we see both of them, but they don't know where each other is. I think yes. that's really cool too. Yeah. Then eventually the nurse gets scared by Jimmy cause he comes up behind her and Jimmy's like, Hey, I can't find anybody. There's like nobody around. Um, and then he's basically like, listen, I need you to go check the East wing and after that, just go to the sheriff's station, drive there, and go get him. And she's like, okay. So this is when Jimmy's now looking around. He's looking around some different um, parts of the hospital. And he eventually sees the uh, the dead head nurse. She's like laying down on this like uh, uh, chair. And he noticed like there's some blood dripping out from her. So apparently Michael like drained her blood. 
So he knows how to do that too as well. I, I guess so, yeah. That that would require probably some skill, right, for him to know how to do that. Yes. So apparently, you know, Michael, he, maybe he studied up on uh, different uh, medical practices while he was staring at that wall. Mm, obviously. So, th- so Jimmy's looking at this, right? He's like, okay, this dead nurse is dying, and I don't know who did this, and her blood's dripping. I'm going to get the fuck out of here. So he goes so fast that he just slips and bangs his head on the blood? <laughs> yeah, so I don't know if this scene is supposed to be funny, but it really is funny. So did, like, where he's like, he slips on the blood and then bangs his head. So I don't know if this actor, Jimmy, had something in his contract where he couldn't be killed by Michael Myers, but he basically just <laughs> killed himself. <laughs> I was like, yeah, damn, yeah, bro. he did. I mean, <laughs> fuck, what a geek. I mean, <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, so this is when we get the scene of the nurse, the blonde nurse. She's leaving, and this is when we notice that none of the cars are working. Like her, the car is not working; it's not turning on, and all the cars have flat tires. So mm-hmm. she freaks out and she runs back inside. So she runs back inside, and she eventually sees Lori, and she's like, "Lori, Lori, you know, you know, come here and everything." Lori just looks at her, and then Lori looks at her, and she's like, "Oh fuck this!" And she's like, walks away, and then Michael comes up behind the blonde nurse with like. Like a just what do they call those little knives that doctors use? Like this little cutting knife. Scalpel. Scalpel. Yes. He takes yeah. the scalpel. He stabs her in the back and he lifts her up with one hand. Yep. So he's showing his power that he had in the first movie, where he is like freaking. I mean, this guy is should be a power lifter because he just lifts her up with one hand. Shoes fall off and just drops her. This is when we get a big chase scene with some cool chase scene. John Carpenter Halloween style music happening. <laughs> yes. I love it. So eventually, um, Lori gets down to the, uh, it looks like the boiler room. And she runs into Garrett, so we see him hanging. He's dead. And she eventually escapes from Michael Myers going through like a little passageway. And I did like it where Michael's like, oh, he tries to scalp her for a little bit. <laughs> He's like, well, maybe if I could just cut her ankle, it'd be okay. Right. Um, and then, um, let's see. Oh, and this- she can also barely walk at this point too. Yeah. So they're like, so she, the whole thing, she's like, what the beginning of it, she's, isn't she still dragging around the yeah. IV? Yeah. 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 So she's like moving real slow, but Michael still can't catch her somehow. Yeah. Well, you know, Michael's more of the stalking type. He doesn't really run. Well, that's true. Him. That's true. He doesn't run. It makes a point of that. Um, and then, you know, like we're saying, like, you know, Lori, like she, she has that little fractured bone stuff, so it's been hard for her mm-hmm. to walk. And she, she goes a little bit in and out of consciousness a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, then this is when she does the elevator scene where she escapes, she escapes from the elevator and she runs outside and she hides into a car and then she looks to see a little bit and then she's just waiting in the car. <laughs> we're back with Loomis. Loomis is yeah. with that, um, uh, <laughs> that doctor lady and then the marshal. It was like in the car, right? In the car, in the car. It was like, I love this scene too. (laughs) It was like, you didn't believe me, did you? (laughs) (laughs) I told you about him. I told you. Did you hear about the story of Sam Heim? Did you hear about that one too? Did you see that on there? You didn't believe me, did you? And he's like talking about like, yeah. Did you know about Sam Heim? You know, they uh, they sacrifice animals for future evil spirits. And then witches yeah. and stuff, but uh, there's no evil spirits and Richards. It's all in the self-conscious mind. <laughs> I love this scene. And then the whole time the doctor's like, listen, I'm like, I gotta tell you something. He's like, no, wait, let me finish first. 
Let me finish. 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 Like, remember okay. who was right? Yes. <laughs> I remember, was right. Remember me? You were wrong. Listen, listen, lady. I shot him six times. I told you this <laughs> motherfucker was the same high crazy killer. Okay? <laughs> Evil spirits, all that's just a bunch of junk. This guy has some crazy mental mind shit going on here. Okay? And you didn't believe me. I was right. And then she's like, listen, can I just tell you this story? <laughs> and then it's like, okay, go ahead. <laughs> there was a secret file hidden away for generations that we didn't tell you about until right now. And she's like, what? This would have been good information to have yes. in the past, she's like, a few years ago. She's like, we're sorry that we didn't give you this. We should have gave you everything, but we didn't. <laughs> but after these murders happened, the file got opened. And in that file, guess what? That Lori Strode girl, that's Michael's sister. And then Loomis is like, oh. And, 15 years ago. Scene, he, yeah, he's like, <laughs> sorry. He's like, 15 years ago, he killed his sister. 15 years, he's back to get another. So in this scene, you can just watch Loomis's head explode. <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> you can just see him being like, you know, what the fuck? The like, fuck? why would you not tell me this piece yeah. of information? I've been yeah, trying to keep another. this motherfucker locked up yeah. for 15 years and you won't listen to me. Yeah. And then you had this piece of information and we could have avoided this the whole time had you just given me this piece of information. And now I'm the one who's crazy. <laughs> and then he's like, and then he goes to the calm Loomis mode. He's like, he's like, he's like, Marshall, do you know this area well? <laughs> and the cop's like, yeah, I do. It's like, okay, we have to go back to the officer. She's like, well, I got orders. Uh, from the, from the governor, and he's basically just like fuck the governor. All right, <laughs> I got I and he gets his gun out and shit. And he's like he pulls it to the cop. He's like I got new orders for you. I got new right? orders for you. Is it, so why, they didn't take his gun away from him? No, like maybe like, they just assumed he didn't have one. Maybe, but yeah, I don't they, know how they would. Yeah, they, they they didn't know how crazy this Loomis character was. Okay, they already knew he was like half nuts. This is full. <laughs> this is getting almost full nuts. All right. Yeah, where he pulls his gun out on the deputy, and he's like, or the uh, yeah, Mar the the marshal, and he's, and he's like, like, all right, you're gonna turn this shit around. Yeah, and he's all like, what do you guys do? Warning shots, and he just shoots the fucking window, and the car like <laughs> shoots around and comes back. And he's like, give him warning shots. I'll give you a warning shot, yeah. and he's like, shoots the windshield out. So now we're back in the car where Lori's at. Jimmy shows up out of nowhere, and I'm not, mm. I'm not sure like what was going on with Jimmy's. Like, I guess he just like knocked his head too bad or something, but like he got in there. In the car, trying to turn it on a little bit, saying like, "Hey, I'm gonna get you out of here." And then he said like, "He said like he said it's like I, you know, said something." Mm-hmm. And then he just falls right on the horn. Yep. And then like, Lori just pushes his. This scene was actually a little weird too. Like she she pushes his body back, and his neck. I don't know if the actor's neck is just crazy, but his neck was like in a weird position. Like, did you see that thing? Like, the neck looked like it was like almost like all the way back on the on the seat. Like, yeah, fuck, man, my yeah. neck would have been destroyed if I was like doing that for hours. This guy yeah, must have well, some I mean, sort of may, flexibility in his neck it, or some shit. It may not have taken hours to film it, but yeah, you're right. Like, he's in this ah. weird, like, really uncomfortable situation or position. Oh. But it looks really good. He looks, looks like good. he's dead, right? Yeah, exactly. It looked it looked fantastic. I was just like, man, like if this is like the actual actor could do that, that was like pretty good. Pretty good neck, yeah. neck flexibility that he has there. <laughs> I was like, fuck. So, um, obviously, you know, she gets him off the horn. She tries to turn on the car, too, but the cars are not working because Michael fucked all the cars up. And yeah, she, so I have, a, I have a theory about this Yeah. that I've, I've just come up with in the last little bit. So we 
so in the first and in, in the episode yesterday, we talked about how like how can Michael drive because Jeff taught him. Yes. Maybe maybe the maybe Michael un, unbeknownst to Loomis mm-hmm. was helping out in the uh, auto bay oh. of the uh, hospital. Maybe they have like a program yeah. where mental patients can learn a vocation of, of like working on cars. And that's how he learned to drive, and yeah. that's how he learned how to disable all the vehicles too. Because you know that takes that takes a knowledge. You know, I mean, he you know he he knew how to make all the vehicles not work. And uh, you know, maybe he worked in the uh, auto bay of the uh, of the sanitarium. Exactly. You know, after his long staring at the wall, you know, when uh, during his lunch break or, or hour or two, <laughs> he would go to the auto bay and learn all this stuff. You know. Exactly. Makes exactly. sense. You know, because, you know, yeah. his career was going to be a mechanic, but then he just t- chose a different path. He chose a different path yes. of serial murder. Yeah. <laughs> so Laurie falls out of the car. All right. And <laughs> as far as <laughs> some of these little parts of Loomis, he just is so funny. So <laughs> the Loomis's crew shows up <clears throat> with that Marshall car. And Loomis is all yeah. like, listen, I really want to fucking tie you up to this car, but I might need you. Okay. But I might need you. Are you with me? Are you with me? And the guy's like, well, I might lose my job. He's like, well, fuck your job. Get in there. He's like, because I'm going to shoot your ass yeah. if you don't. <laughs> so you're going to lose your life if you don't help me out. Yes. So they go inside to the to the hospital. And he's like, he's basically demanding the, the marshal go look around. And the doctor was all like, he's like, Loomis, what the hell? And Loomis is like, I swear he said this, but I could be wrong. She was like, Loomis, what's going on? Shut the hell up, bitch. <laughs> i'm looking around here i was like damn i'm right. in charge now i'm in charge now all right damn okay <laughs> i know he just said shut up but if he said shut up bitch that would have been awesome that right. would be great so obviously you know when they walk in Lori is on the ground screaming like help and she did a really good job that screaming and then michael shows up yeah. right behind her and shit and then this is when she runs and she knocks on the door and it takes them forever to open up the door um, so once once they open up the door and they get Lori inside, uh, this is when Michael burst through the door like the fucking Kool-Aid man, fucking ready to attack. And then, of course, Loomis shoots him six times. Six more times. Six more times. So a total of 12 shots. On yeah, he's been Morris. shot 12 times now. Yes. So Michael's down. Yep, okay. falls flat on his back. Flat dead. on his back, yes. Quote, unquote, dead. The martial cop's like, Oh, look, his dad is like, not nah, the man is like, no, he's not. Look, he's still breathing. I love this scene. And then, uh, and then Loomis tells the, uh, the, the other doctor like, Hey, go to the, go to the cop's car and radio him. And the cop's like, only, only I have authority to do that. He's like, shut up and go there and do it. <laughs> shut up and do it. <laughs> like it's still, okay. So now, now I'm team Loomis. So yeah, Loomis exactly. is crazy. But at this point, like they're still not listening. Bro, to this guy. nobody's listening. Like to this they guy. can see Michael right in front of them, yeah. and they're still not listening to him. So after Loomis, like he told like cops, like, "Look, no, he's not dead. Get away from that body." That's when Michael grabs yeah, don't him. Don't touch him. Yeah, don't touch him. Uh, Michael grabs the 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 marshal cop and he slits his throat. And they're just like, yeah. "Oh shit!" So they so now Loomis and and Laura they go running off. And then yeah. the, and you can uh, just tell, like Loomis is just like, God damn it! Like, when are these people gonna start listening yeah. to me? When are they gonna fucking listen to me? So they're running around, and they eventually find a medical room with a bunch of gas in it. It's like an operating room. Yes. And you know, um, 
Loomis is, you know, it's like he's basically telling Lori, like, hey, you know, I should have stayed with you this whole time. And uh, they're just getting a little freaked out. And now Loomis is trying to give Lori the gun. Like, take this gun. And she, but she doesn't want to take it. She's like, but he, like, basically forces her, her to take it. Yeah. Um, and then after that, um, <laughs> Michael's up at the door. And he fucking bursts through this door, too. Like, the fucking Kool-Aid man. Like, this guy yeah. just bursts through all kinds of doors. And yeah, he's superhuman now. Yeah. And then this is like, Loomis goes up to him, time to shoot him. He's like, oh, fuck, I ran out of guns. And... <laughs> You never seen, <laughs> I never seen a more intense bump off of the lighter, the lightest stab. Oh yeah. Like Michael stabs him with that little uh, knife, and this motherfucker goes flying. <laughs> yeah, he really like, sells that. <laughs> oh my god, he sells that shit. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> the Loomis character is like my favorite out of all these movies. This guy is just nuts, yeah. and then. And then eventually, um, this is when Lori grabs the gun and starts shooting Michael in the face. This is when we get the bloody Michael face. All right. So I have a problem with this, too. I have a question. Yeah. So are we to believe, <clears throat> let me clear my throat. Are we to believe that she shot Michael in each of his eyes? And uh, then his eyes start bleeding. Like, that's what we're supposed to believe, right? Like, she shot him through the high holes of the mask. Uh, I guess. Because there's mean, no holes in the mask where the where that 38 went went one went through his head. I mean, his head would have probably exploded. I would think at that point. Yeah. I mean, I've never shot anybody in the face, but I'm guessing that if she shot him twice in the head at that range, that he like you know like the back of his head would have just completely blown out. But she shot him in both eyeballs, and he was blind at this point. Yes. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that that John Carpenter's never used a gun in his life. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. I, I thought when I watched story. it, I thought the bullet somehow went into the mask's eye and hit his forehead, and that's why he was bleeding <laughs> out both eyes. But I mean, that's a weird bullet to do that. And you need to write like, yeah. what did his head like get like right. melted off or yeah. some shit? Like, yeah, I mean, like it would have definitely made a hole in the. This might have been maybe even if he's maybe this is when he was drinking heavily. <laughs> During the party. He's just like, I need some kind of ending to this, so here we go. If I was so in his eyeball, his eyes are bleeding down the mask, which is a really cool scene. It looks yeah. really cool, but it's just like, come on. Like I think the the thing I want to ask Carpenter is like, <laughs> did you intend for the Loomis character to be like nuts? Or like <laughs> I just <laughs> uh, Yeah, because I do wonder if he intended for him to be crazy. That is a good question. Is did he intend for him to be crazy? Or is it just a byproduct of how this was written? Yeah. And it's just I mean, unintentionally it, funny. It makes crazy. sense why Loomis is going crazy, but this guy really goes crazy. So right. now Loomis is, he's up after taking that bump, and he's turning on all the gas. And Michael, yeah. this whole time, can't see anything, so he's just swinging that little scaffold knife everywhere. Yeah. And then now Lori starts turning on the gas, and then eventually, like, this is Loomis. Let me see if I can do this. Because this, this, this scene with Loomis always, like, I can never get it right, but it was like this. So all the gas is on and stuff, right? And Loomis has an idea. He's like, he's going to Laura, like, get, get it. Get it. And Laura's like, what the <laughs> fuck are you talking about? What? Get it. Get it. What? what? What What do you want me to do? Get out. Get, get out. Get out. <laughs> he's telling her to get out. But just, the way he says it is like, get out. Is it, is it's like, like, I can't understand anything you're saying. What? And then he's all like, <laughs> uh, 
And then, like, after she gets out and stuff, uh, Lumi says, Michael, it's time. And he lights the match, and everything blows up. Yep. And, of course, that lady from earlier already called the cops and everything to be over there. So we blow up. We see Michael's body. He's all blowing up and and um, melting. And uh, a scene I thought was interesting. So now we're outside, and it's foggy everywhere. Well, yeah. hold on before you get there. Go ahead. So you so he so he he blows the whole room up. Yeah, that's full of gas with the lighter that the deputy gave him earlier in the movie. Yes, but the, but then like Lori's in the hallway. And then the whole like place is on fire, and then Michael walks to the fire on fire. Yes. And then you're like, holy shit, he's still not fucking dead. And then he just falls forward on his face. Yes. And he starts burning. Then out. we're outside in the fog. Yes, now we're outside in the fog. You think he did this fog because he made that fog movie? Maybe. But fog looks cool and he yeah. knew it looked cool, which is why he made the fog. So all these two cops are saying, like, how many dead? We got ten dead. And there may be more. Like, oh, crap. And then uh, Lori's being rolled out on a wheelchair into the into the ambulance. And you just hear, like, this news reporter, like, basically just saying everything's happening. It's like, she's being rolled out. She's been put, she's been put into the, the, to the ambulance. Look at her go. Look at her. Look at her. <laughs> so they leave in the fog. And then Lori looks on. We see uh, a burning Michael Myers. And we hear Mr. Sandman. And we end. Halloween 2. We end. And we we end Halloween 2 and we 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 prepare for Halloween 3 which was supposed to be a whole new style of the Halloween franchise. So it's going to be very interesting when we do that one. So But yeah, Halloween 2, you know, I like I said I have a like a warmer spot for this movie. I actually really like this. I actually think this is a really good sequel. Um you know, obviously it has some um you know, funny, funny parts to it and stuff. Um, and it has some like stuff out of nowhere. Like, hey, we got this secret file that Laurie was your sister the whole time. I could probably probably could have done without that plot point. Yeah, but I think this I think this sequel holds up really well. And it will. And this sequel obviously, um, you know, plays into some movies that we will be seeing later on within the timeline as well too. So, you know, obviously this one would be rebooted again when we have Halloween H two O. Um, and then it would be rebooted again for Halloween 2018. So very, very interesting. But out of all the three of those sequels, I still like this one the best. Halloween 2. Yeah, I still like course. this one. The 2008 yeah. one wasn't too bad. And the, actually, the, all the actual sequels to the original Halloween movie are not that bad of a movies for their particular time periods. Well, Halloween Resurrection... Well, Halloween Resurrection is Halloween H2O, right? It's the same movie. Well, so Halloween H2O was the supposed sequel to Halloween made in 2000s. And then Resurrection was the sequel to Halloween H2O. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. yeah. So Rick, Rick Rosenthal also directed Halloween H2O. That's the one with Buster Rhymes. Yes. No, 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 no. Oh, yes. No. That's the one with LL Cool J. Was Halloween H2O. Busted Rhymes was on oh. the Resurrection one. Oh, right. Okay, I was confused. Okay, so yeah, uh -huh. you're right. You're correct. So, yeah, so that's the one where they brought back Jamie Lee Curtis. Yes, yes. And, and, and Resurrection. Yes, okay. Yes. But that doesn't happen in the 80s timeline. Or H2O, excuse me. <laughs> yes. Right. That, that, doesn't, that doesn't happen. So, but yeah, everybody, that's a Halloween 2. Very fun movie. 
Um, yeah, great movie. Like I said, we're going to be coming back here next week on the Retro Bud talking all about Halloween 3 Season of the Witch. Yeah. Yep. I have some very controversial opinions about that, so that'll be a good one. Yes. Which is a very... That movie is actually one of the most interesting movies within the Halloween franchise, I would say, because mm-hmm. obviously... You know, the movie's not about Michael Myers and stuff, and the way that they were going to to do the Halloween series was going to be a lot different. And I think that idea still would stand today if it just wasn't called Halloween. Yeah, definitely. So, but we'll get on to that next week, everybody. Allison, do you want to leave the audience with anything, final thoughts on Halloween 2? I mean, I think we got it covered pretty good. I was just going to say that, I mean, it is a love it or hate it, or love and hate kind of thing, like, I do like this movie a lot when I watch it, but it does like take away a lot of the mystery of Halloween one, which I think I hate when things are over explained and, and things in this franchise will get over explained to death as we go. But um, but yeah, I mean, it's still great. It's still good. It's just not as good as the first one. You can tell it's it's a 1980s movie. It has like the 1980s cliches of the, you know, 10 million kills and nudity and things that we would get which which we love about 1980s movies um but yeah it's just it's just different and it's still good it's just just it's just different that's the only thing i would say about it definitely definitely so thanks everybody for joining us starting off our anniversary month here on the retro bled we'll be talking about all the halloween movies that were made in the 1980s like we're saying up next halloween three season of the witch but the witch allison what roosh is it Roosh or Rush? Roosh. <laughs> Roosh. It's definitely, it's definitely Rush. The wrestler is called Roosh. Roosh and Rush. There you go. What Roosh Rush song will we be listening to to take us out of this Halloween episode? Um, from Exit Stage Left, which is the live album that we talked about, let's listen to the live version of one of the best stoner rock anthems of all time, a song about traveling around the world to find the best weed. This song is called Passage to Bangkok. Passage to Bangkok, brother. Kind of reminds me a little bit about the Loomis character. You know, after this ordeal, well, even though he blew he up. He needs to smoke some weed. But uh, he definitely needed some weed in this fucking Yeah. Day. <laughs> day long. Day. Oh, freaking Halloween. This Halloween is not doing good for Loomis. No. So. All right, everybody. No. We will check you out here next week on the Retro Bud. See you later. See you guys. Stop, stop, stop.